All right. We'll give all these many mighty men and women of God a moment to leave the auditorium. Man, we got church happening all over tonight, don't we? Man, when we pray for the anointing to flow, we don't just pray for it to flow in the sanctuary. Because we have ministry happening in the kitchen and upstairs and in the nursery and out in the buildings out there. Uh, But I am so glad that some of you are going to be in here with me. We're going to have a good time, aren't we? Amen. Well, here's my confession. You can sit down and raise your Bible. And this is what I was thinking about doing this. I got a Bible. And I really love it. I'm so glad. I live in a country where it's legal to have a Bible. And I'm not going to take that for granted. I'm going to devour it. I'm going to consume it. I'm going to be a person of the word. In the name of Jesus. Amen. (laughs) I wasn't going to try to do what my dad does. (laughs) If you are new here, um, I'm not your pastor. We have an awesome pastor. Pastors Dan and Joan Olson. They are in Houston. Uh, I don't know if they're watching, but if they are, we love you. (laughs) Um, And they are visiting some of our closest friends. um, Hal and Brenda Stevenson. uh, Big supporters of our ministry. They've been a blessing to this church And we love them, and they're just spending some quality time with them. Isn't that exciting? So tonight, I am here uh, to share the word, and I am determined to be short-winded so that you guys will come back to church. Uh, You would anyway, but um, I'm now a mother of a child who goes to kindergarten. So now I understand. (laughs) But it's okay, because they'll fall asleep on the way home from church, and then you don't have to do all that bedtime routine stuff. All right, you just put them right into bed. (laughs) That doesn't happen for you guys. All right, listen, here's the title of my sermon. Maybe later. Everyone say, maybe later. That's the title of my message tonight. But first, we're going to get into uh, the topic of God's purpose on this planet. All right, Mr. Popovich, God's purpose on this planet. Why don't we pray so I can get focused from all the goofing around? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, and thank you tonight that it would flow unhindered. I thank you for the anointing that's on the inside of me to live big in me, and that I would speak eloquently, Father God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that most of all, we would all have ears to hear, our spirits would be ready to learn, and God, we are expecting you to show up to teach us, and Lord, we're not just going to be hearers, but we are going to be doers of the word of God. And I thank you the anointed one lives on the inside of each and every person in this room and will help Help them become a doer of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, God's purpose on the planet, in both the Old and New Testament, if you go back through history and you look at how God has um, done things, his purpose has always been twofold. Uh, The first thing was to use Jesus Christ to restore us back to God. We can all agree on that, right? God used Jesus Christ to restore us back to God. And then hand in hand with that, The second thing was for us to learn from his example and duplicate that, replicate that. We are to follow the example of Jesus Christ and go out and do what he did. And what did he do? He reconciled us to God. So what is our mission now? Absolutely. But, you know, Pastor Jessica, you're saying, does God really expect us to do that? (laughs) Does God really expect us to include him in our conversations? Does God expect us to fulfill the Great Commission? Well, let's see what the Word of God has to say about our purpose here on this planet. 
If you would turn in your Bibles or conveniently look upon the screens behind you <laughs> to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. And I will be reading um, from the Amplified Bible. There it is. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a what? <coughs> Excuse me, a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previously moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Can I have a praise God? Yes. Behold, the fresh and new has come, but all things are from God who is through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself received us into his favor and brought us into harmony with himself and gave us then what ministry have we been given? The ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. So there you have it from the word of God, the Holy Bible, the almighty scriptures right there. If we've been reconciled to God, which I believe probably everyone in the room has been reconciled. If you're here on a Wednesday night, most likely you love Jesus. And we know we've been brought back into relationship with God. Therefore, it is now your ministry to bring other people back into harmony with God. And we need to embrace that. Mark 16, 15, Pastor Joan did a great job last week preaching on going into all the world. And I said, Pastor Joan, is it okay if I preach on going into all the world again? And she said, I think so, because we didn't really get that deep last week in family night. I don't know. How many of you were here for family night last week? Yeah, we had all the four- and five-year-olds here in the front row with us. It was fun. <laughs> but we didn't get very deep because we were trying to, you know, catch everybody. So she thought that would be a good idea. So Mark 16, 15, again, I love it in the contemporary English version. It says, then he told them, go and preach the good news to a couple of people. Go and preach the good news to all the people who already know about Jesus. Now, let's read it together. He says, then he told them, go and preach the good news to everyone in the world. Amen. So do you think it's God's plan for us to share the gospel? Okay, because I, I want you to know for sure it is before I continue with my theme tonight. Um, in the Message Bible, um, oh, it doesn't have the reference here, but I believe it's Matthew 5. Matthew 5, it's up there. Okay, 14 through 16. Uh, we pretty much know this one by heart. It's so good, but I'm going to read it in the message. It's a little different. If you guys have a, a, a more traditional translation, it's talking about being the light of the world. It says, here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public at a, as a city on a hill. If I make you light bears, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light sand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light sand, what are we supposed to do? Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So we are called to be the light of the world. Um, other verses in Matthew 5 talk about being the salt of the earth, right? And our very lives are supposed to draw people to Jesus Christ. I mean, how many of you, I bet a lot of you in this room have had people ask you why you're so happy, haven't you? Or ask you, what is it about you? What is it that makes you so peaceful. You know, people may be going through traumatic things and, 
And they just maintain that peace and cool composure. And it's not because we're really, really mature. It's because we have a solid foundation on Jesus Christ. I still remember when I was, uh, when I first moved here in 1997 and I went to work at Silver Dollar City and we went to this little university where we learned all about the history of Silver Dollar City and how to be really polite and how to make memories worth repeating. Remember all that? Well, I remember going, what was that? Give them the, I don't know. I don't know that one, but <laughs> I don't. But I went and I remember I was in a room full of people, you know, and you just feel different when you can tell you're the only one in the room whose light is shining. And sure enough, the instructor of that class afterwards just came up to me and said, man, there's something different about you. And I was like, man, I've always talked about this happening. And they're like, what is it? And I was able to share Jesus Christ, you know, and that's how our life, our life should be. We, we should shine. You know, I was talking in, um, I don't know where I was, youth group or to the interns or something. And I said, a sad, depressed, crabby, cantankerous, grumpy Christian should be an oxymoron. There shouldn't be such a thing. We should be happy. Hello, we're eternally saved. You know what? I have, I have some hard days. I have some trials in my life. But this morning we just told the interns they're supposed to count it as pure joy when going through trials. Because God's working out faith and patience and perseverance in us so we can be complete and entire in him, lacking nothing. So next time I call you, Joy, to complain, you just say, Jessica, <laughs> count it as pure joy. No, we really have no reason to enter into a state of depression. Because you know what? Everything on this planet is temporal. It's temporal. But we have something eternal. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Do you guys know that? We are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is what we're supposed to be doing. We are ambassadors at our workplace. How many of you work a job? I would say almost everybody works a job. And you know what? Wherever you are at, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I mean, you guys want me teaching this to your teenagers, right? I'm up there on Wednesday night saying, you're a missionary to your high school. Well, guess what, parents? You're a missionary to your, your workplace. We can be a missionary at Walmart. I'm telling you, I don't know how many times, if you go to Walmart and Branson West, people, you will have a chance to minister the love of Jesus. I mean, just standing in line. One day I told Paul, I came home crying. And I, I, I don't want to cry talking about it. But, like, I was in line. And I, there was a teenager from 180 there. And his um, mother was there in line with him. And was humiliating him and berating him in front of this checkout person. And I don't know. The checkout person asked the young man something. And she's like, oh, he's just a good for nothing. He don't know nothing. He's so stupid. I'm serious. And the kid, his eyes were welling up with tears. And he saw me and he was so embarrassed that I saw that. And Paul and I have been able to minister to that individual. And he's still coming to 180. You know, praise God. But if you, you got to be bold. you got to be saturated with the love of God. And when you see those situations, Cheryl's told me about situations at Walmart and Branson where she's able to minister the love of God to people that are hurting. If we just open our eyes, we're going to see it. Amen. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Okay, think about this, people. Jesus Christ came and laid down his life for us so that we could be restored to God. How many of you are thankful for that? Okay, we're thankful Jesus came and laid down his life for us. Now, 
he is asking us to do the same thing. He is asking us to lay down our lives so that more people could get to know him. So that more people can know about the love of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Have we done that? Have we allowed our lives to be crucified? Our, our fleshly desires to be crucified? Our, our self-will? Our desire to be rich and famous? Have we crucified that? I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. And Mark 8, 35, the interns know this one, have this one memorized. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. How many want to lose? Amen. Amen. How many of you want to lose your life for the gospel? You know, Paul and I are serious when we say we would give every last breath we have to see the kingdom of God advance. Whatever we have to do, we're going to do it. No matter if, if we're the only ones. Thank God we're not. But if we were the only ones, I'd like to think that I'd give up anything to see the kingdom of God advance. Because I'm crucified. Because my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. Amen. Um, think about it. Each of you are here today because somebody laid down their life and was obedient. They were obedient so that you could hear the gospel. Somebody did that. Are you thankful for them? Let's duplicate that. Let's advance the kingdom of God by laying down our life. Listen, one way we can, you're like, well, what does that mean? No, I don't mean let's go lay out in the middle of the road and get run over by a truck. Okay, that won't do anyone any good. How can we lay down our lives? Obviously, some people do physically lay down their life for the gospel by going overseas. You know, Jim Zirkle and all the people that died in that plane crash out on a mission field. You know, Jim Elliott. You know, all these missionaries, Nate Saint, giving up their life for the gospel. But how can you do it? Well, one way we can lay down our life is to crucify our flesh. To deny our flesh. To deny ourselves. To deny our selfish desires. How about when, you know, we plan an evangelistic outreach here at the church? Like we have our fall family fun night, right? Where we bring in people from the community in order to share Jesus Christ. What if we don't want to come that night? What if we don't want to help? What if we don't want to bring bags of candy? You know, denying ourselves and our selfish desires and crucifying our flesh and being a part of that, that's advancing the kingdom of God. And you guys all do it. You guys are awesome. It's my Wednesday night bunch. The mature believers that like to take responsibility, right, Paul? Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Oh, so it's a requirement. <laughs> I missed that. I thought it was just an option. Okay. He must deny himself, take up his cross monthly, <laughs> daily, and follow me. We need to get our eyes off ourselves, deny ourselves, and then we will be more apt to share the love of God. Because here's the deal. Even in our normal life, let's say Tony's at work. And, and some other, maybe a bus driver, is having just a terrible day. He, he's in the bathroom crying. And Tony could be so caught up in his own life, and his own problems. I hate to use you now that's a bad example. But 
that he doesn't even notice. You know, some people are so self-absorbed and consumed that they don't even notice. Or he could say, you know what, I need to put down whatever I'm doing and take time to minister the love of God to that person. And, you know, sometimes at Walmart in the parking lot, it's really easy to, like, walk away from a situation. You know, you see people... Walmart. Isn't it always about Walmart? But it's true, man. We go there every day for something. (laughs) And there's always hurting people there. That's our marketplace, right? It's like if we're going to the fish market in Jerusalem, we just go to Walmart. Okay. Pastor Joan and I were talking today and she said something that knocked me over. I mean, I was like, I was like, can I really say that in church? She said, Jessica, I I preached my whole sermon to her on the phone. (laughs) She said, Jessica, isn't it amazing that This message of denying yourself and fulfilling the Great Commission is the most unpopular message in the body of Christ. Nobody wants to hear about denying themselves. They want to learn just how to be happy, how to get rich, how to be highly favored, you know, which we are. We're highly favored. Favor surrounds me as a shield every day. But what is the most important thing? To have some material favor or to win the lost. I'm sorry, hands down, my mission, my heart, my passion is to see people saved. I will, I, I, I like to drive a nice car. I do, but I will drive a jalopy if it meant someone was going to get saved. You know what I mean? I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it takes. And if we all get that same heart, there'll be nothing stopping us. Amen. Amen. Oh, and Pastor Joan finished that. I didn't finish what she said. She said, Jessica, isn't it amazing that the most, this message is the most unpopular message in the body of Christ, yet it is one that came from the very lips of our Savior Jesus Christ himself. These are the words of Jesus Christ, not the words of Jessica Gibson. I couldn't have come up with, I would, I'm a mercy gift. I'm telling you, I let people get away with all sorts of stuff. That's why I married Paul Gibson who is not a mercy gift, (laughs) but I would have written a more merciful, you know, listen, if you find time and if you get all your chores done and you get on two vacations a year, then you could deny yourself, give a little of the church and maybe go on one or two, you know, soul winning campaigns a year, you know, but the Bible said, go ye into all the world and tell everyone about Jesus. You know, the Bible said you are to be the salt. You are to be the light. The gospel is not a foofy gospel. The gospel is not a pamper me gospel. It's, it's life and death. People, we got to get our mind off ourselves. Yes, we can, we can focus on our pocketbook or focus on our, our um, enjoyment of life and focus on our um, peace of mind, whatever. But how about the people going to hell? How about them? Hey, I... The Bible talks in, in Jude about rescuing the people from the very flames of hell. That's what I want to do. I want to be one of them lifesavers, throwing them lifesavers at those people where the flames of hell are nipping at their feet, man, and we get them just in time. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm feeling the preach coming on. I'm going to try to focus. Uh, Jesus, did he not say in Luke 6:46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But do not do the things in which I say. Wow, I can barely even say it. (laughs) He said that. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? You know, so how many of you want to be just a hearer of the word tonight? 
Now we want to be a doer of the word. So let me give you some action steps of how you can leave the room and be a doer of the word. I preached a sermon one time on the biggest gap in the world between what you know and what you actually do. You guys remember that one? And at the end of it, I said, uh, one time a guy arrived late for church and he came in the back door and he leaned over to the usher and said, hey, is the sermon done yet? He said, well, it's been preached, but is yet to be done. Okay, we need to not just come and hear a good sermon, but you're getting training tonight on how to be an, a warrior in the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how do we become doers of the word? I have some amazing news for you. You ready? I know everyone just perked up. I have some great news for you. Do you know the Bible tells us that we already have everything we need to win the battle. Everything that we need to accomplish what I'm talking about tonight is on the inside of you. You don't have to get any more stuff. You're already ready. Okay. First John 4, 4. I'm going to go through these quick because you know these scriptures. Just jot the reference. Uh, read them out again in your quiet time tomorrow. First John 4, 4 says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world, people. Okay. Sometimes we get so intimidated by those people in the world and their affluence or whatever. But the one who lives inside of me is greater than anything happening in the world. And we have so much to give. We just need to realize it. Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Um, do I have water? Romans 8.37, much better. It says, knowing all these things, guess what, people? We just barely get by, don't we? Because of Jesus. We're just sailing through life, we're barely getting by. Is anyone looking at the scripture? <laughs> we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Jesus has already won the battle. Okay? The Bible says he always leads us into triumph. He doesn't lead us into doubt and despair in the dumps. He has led us into triumph every time. The question is, are we walking with him? Are we in the presence of God? Are we full of the word of God? Are we full of the spirit of God? We just got to stir it up, don't we? I'll never forget Pastor Stir It Up series with the coffee cup and him going, you got to stir it up. Oh, so good. We do. We have to stir it up. Listen, we should not be afraid of being on the offense in the battle for souls, but we do need to be prepared to fight because I'm not fighting against my husband, right? I'm not fighting against my grandpa. I'm not fighting against the neighbor, right? <laughs> Maybe some of you are. <laughs> Don't do that. All right. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 it says, be strong in the Lord. Say, I am strong in the Lord's mighty power. That's right. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, right? But against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. So how are we going to stand firm and fight against the powers of darkness? Like I said earlier, we just need to be full of the word of God. If we just do what we know to do, we're going to be so much happier and so much more powerful. We need to be full of the word of God, 
We need to be full of the Spirit of God. Amen. And we need to stay in the presence of God. And here's the awesome thing. Do I have, do I have handouts with the ushers? Do you guys have handouts? I'm going to remind you, I made you something today. Something for you to take home. Yeah. It's to remind you that you are anointed to do it. Say, I'm anointed. Man, I don't know how many times I say, I'm anointed to be Daniel Paul's mother. I'm anointed to be a mother. Because <laughs> sometimes we forget the Lord has anointed us to do something. And so here's going to be a little reminder that we are anointed. I will first read this in the version that you have on your scripture card there. I'll wait till y'all get it. We got enough of those. Let me tell you the, the, a little history behind this. Um, can I look at one of those? Thank you. This scripture, let me tell you, you guys have the deluxe version here because when I was, I think I was 21 years old, I wrote this scripture on a little piece of notebook paper with the little lines on it, you know, and ripped it out of my notebook. And I kept it in my pocket for a year. Now, I didn't always have a pocket, but I would find somewhere to put it, maybe in my sock or in my purse, something. But I kept this in my pocket until I believed it. And I'm challenging you to do the same thing. Because sometimes our problem is we don't realize. I told the interns they had to keep it in their pocket all year, too. They need to have it memorized, okay? Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord. Let's, let's read it together. How about that? Ready? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oh, and I should have had verse 19 on there to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I didn't proofread this, but look up verse 19 as well. Okay, very good. Now, on the other side, I'm about to get to that. Don't look at that. Okay, we're talking about being anointed first. I'm going to read it in the Amplified. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to, pre to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who's, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. I can just picture the masses of people. Um, Alan, I'm sure you see people broken down by calamity all the time. How many of you do? You see people walking through your life? Man, you know, I went to the doctor the, day, the other day, and I was just watching the people coming in and out. Man, we got some downtrodden people. But you are anointed to preach to them. You are anointed to bring the light to them. You are anointed to give them hope. I also, I went through a, a course on training to prevent suicide among teenagers. And the one thing they said is if you can just give them, they called it a hook of hope. Something to hang their life on. A hook of hope. If you can just give someone hope that, guess what? Right now, I'm sorry, I'm with you. Your life stinks. Life stinks because guess what? The way of the transgressor is hard, right? But... Just tell them, man, if you make a decision to let God just come in and love you, it's going to all turn around. There's hope for the future. Man, just giving them that word of hope could change and save their life. Amen? 
But do you, do you realize you're anointed? I want you to say it. Say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed to help them downtrodden, you know, beat down by calamity. You are anointed to help them. All right. After we realize we're anointed, there's one more catch. Sorry. And that's Ephesians 4.1 on the back of your thing here. That's what I told the interns. I stole a few things from them. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. I'm beseeching you today. Another version said, I beg you. (laughs) I'm begging you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So here's the deal, people. You are called to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. But ambassadors act a certain way. They act with dignity. They act with respect. And we're going to let our light shine so our life is worthy of being called a ambassador of Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you with me? I mean, really, that's, I preached this long sermon just to say the Holy Spirit told me to tell you you're anointed and you better walk worthy. I remember when in 1990, I don't know, between four and seven <laughs> is when I was ordained and had hands laid upon me in Wisconsin by Dr. Mark Barkley. And I remember after my ordination service, he said, you better live up to it. And he was serious. And I was like, the fear of God came all over me. I was like, you're right. I better live up to it. You know, but sometimes we need someone to say that. Guess what? You need to live up to it. You know, just because I'm a youth pastor, I like to let you in on a few things. If you have any teenagers, I tell them, if you don't live right in high school, if you don't talk right, if you don't act like Jesus in high school, don't you dare tell them you go to my youth group. (laughs) I was like, don't you dare. I said, because I don't want you to bring shame, you know, to the name of our youth group. Because I want it to be a place where we love Jesus. And, but I said, but how can we then call ourselves a Christian? Because then we're bringing shame to the body of Christ. You know, yes, we as mature believers are supposed to help those that fall into sin and restore them. But listen, we have a responsibility to realize that we are not our own. Our body is not ours to do what we want with. It belongs to Jesus Christ, and he paid a high price for it. So we're going to walk worthy of that calling, right? So um, I'm about ready to do that video. Are you ready? Okay. Let me, John 15, 8, let me ask you a question. How many of you want to bring God glory? Oh, even the air conditioner does. All right. How many of you want to bring God honor? Well, in John 15, 8, it says, when you bear or produce much fruit, Your father is glorified. Do you know that? We bring honor and glory to the father by bearing fruit. Uh, So my final question to you is we know that we're supposed to win the lost, right? We know we're anointed to do it. We know we need to walk worthy. So when do we start? Let's watch this video that talks about when we should start. All right. So my question to you tonight is uh, when should we start winning souls right now or maybe later? Okay, listen, let me give you a quick example. There are approximately 6,314,000,000 people in the world. Did you know that? Just over 6 billion. There are approximately 1,974,181,000 Christians. So if those Christians in one week got one person saved, okay, the next week there would be three billion, 948 million, 362,000 Christians. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. The second week, what if each of those people got one 
person saved, there'd be 7,896,724,000. And guess what? That's more than the population of the earth. So really, if we all did our job in two weeks, the whole world could be saved. Wow. But the problem is too many people are saying maybe later. Right. So tonight, why don't you stand up? I know you are going to be the ones who do it right now, tonight. Man, maybe you'll go to Walmart tonight and get somebody saved. Ushers, we're going to hand out those invitations and tracks left over from Sunday if you want to bring those in. How many of you are going to commit to being a part of advancing the kingdom of God? You can do that through word and deed, right? Our very lives can shine the gospel. Getting involved with ministries like 180 and Bus Kids on the Move. And here's the simple thing. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, but Pastor Jessica, you do not know how shy I am. Man, all you need to do is take your track, take your church invitation. Listen, what you should do, David and Flo, if you guys go out for dinner, you take your church invitation, slip like a 10 or $20 tip in there. They'll come to church. They will. No. Um, I always say if you're going to leave a tip inside of a church invitation, it better be a good one. <laughs> it better be a good one. Don't embarrass me, people. Man, use these invitations. Guess what? At 5 o'clock in the morning, my husband invited two people to church at the track. Isn't that cool? We can find people anywhere. We just need to keep our eyes out for the opportunity. So repeat after me. I'm anointed to win the lost. And I'm anointed to walk worthy. Amen. Let me pray over you, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for these people who came out to hear the word tonight. I pray that this message would not be just one more message, but we would become doers of the word. We are going to advance the kingdom of God. And I thank you that at least us right here in this body, we're going to start doing evangelism right now. We're going to live worthy. We're going to walk worthy. And I thank you, God, for opportunities Why don't you lift up your heart to God and say, God, give me an opportunity at work. Give me an opportunity at the grocery store. Give me an opportunity at the park or my kids' sports games. Lord, that we would have opportunities and we would see them and we would seize them and see lives change and people brought into the kingdom of God. I thank you that the altars at Living Word Church are going to be filled with people giving their heart to Jesus Christ, that we're going to be so busy discipling new believers It's going to keep us too busy to become selfish, to become complacent, God, because we're going to be about our Father's business. I thank you that each and every...